From ABC, this is the Popcorn with Peter Travers podcast. I'm Peter Travers, and my guest today, a first-timer on the show, and we are happy to have him with us, TV and movie heartthrob Patrick Dempsey. And here we go. Hi, everybody. I'm Peter Travers, and welcome to Popcorn, where we tell you what's happening at the movies. And there's a movie now called Bridget Jones is Baby. Oh, boy. And I'm not going to say anything. My guest, Patrick Dempsey, might, but I'm guessing he's not going to tell you who the father of the baby is either. But he's the newcomer to this franchise, to this series. You haven't seen him in the first two, and now he's here. So, Patrick, welcome. Thank you, Peter. Welcome. It's nice to be here. Thank you. Yeah. So, see, you've had McDreamy's gone. Yes. He's gone. He's passed on. Uh-huh. And you're back into this movie world. What was it about Bridget Jones's baby that you somehow tweaked to? Well, it was a, I think it was really off to coming off of the show and certainly the way in which we left the audience. I think people were sort of devastated. So this was a nice step moving forward. Also, I think bringing that fan base along in a gentle way. It happened to come at the right time and they were willing to work around my racing schedule. And I really liked the script. I thought there was some great stuff. And then to come in as the American, you know, is a great challenge well, for who me. Who is this guy? He, Jack Quant is a, a billionaire who has created a dating app based on an algorithm that will bring people together. And, and that's who he is. And he finds himself there and he meets Bridget face down in the mud. <laughs> and that was the introduction. <laughs> face down in the mud is it. Yeah. yeah. Did you feel in any way like the outsider? No. Did uh, Renee or Colin say... You don't know this material. Never. They never. were never like... I mean, enough great. time had gone by where everybody was very nervous. And what was really refreshing is that we had an opportunity to do a proper table read and then rehearsals and discussions about, okay, what's working, what isn't, why is he here? I had the opportunity to really listen to Colin and Renee discuss their characters. And it was nice to be in that process again, taking the time to, to be able to ask the questions and hopefully get the answers to that. So were you a fan of the Bridget Jones series? Had you watched the first and second? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, I was very much aware of it. I didn't realize how profound an impact it has around the world for so many people. I mean, w- one thing is that we don't have that many female characters like this in cinema anymore. Mm-hmm. And Renee does such a beautiful job in her ability to do the comic timing, the slapstick, and also bring the emotional moments to the film that I think people really identify with. And, and everybody can relate to Bridget, both men and women. And we've, I just got back from traveling around the world, and no matter what country we go to, people love Bridget, understandably. Did you always have, I wasn't going to do my uh, fanboy gushing about Can't Buy Me Love. Right. But, you know, when you grow up on a movie, sure. <laughs> you know, it's a thing. And you've always had this kind of natural affinity for comedy. Yes. Well, There's, I started off in a vaudeville troupe. That's why. You know, and uh, I, a small town. That's in, right. Your parents just sold you off to a vaudeville troupe. Yeah, I right. ran away with a circus when I was 17. <laughs> well, 15, That's actually. It. And I think a lot of the, the physical timing and, and that type of uh, comedy started really early on, and that's where it came from. So, um, yeah, I was a juggler, and, and sort of old-school vaudeville was how I got started. I, I, I love that you were a juggler. Yes. And also a ventriloquist. I dabbled with that. I dabbled. Get, yeah, oh, so you can't get, do that now? We can't hear I, I your voice from behind the I think it's much harder now to, to do that. Um, do you still I mean, juggle? there are some really good ones out there. I do do a little bit of juggling, mm-hmm. yes. Not as much as I used to. I mean, that was my salvation, really, was like... 
I never really quite fit in in school, and I could perform on the weekends. And before that, I was ski racing, and and that's why I think I like the racing, car racing so much. Was my goal in life was to be an Olympic ski racer. And I learned how to ride the unicycle to improve my balance because uh, there was a skier, Inmar Stenmark, who was the best at the time. There was an ABC up close and personal that the ABC mm-hmm. Wild World of Sports used to do. And during his dryland training, he was riding the unicycle. So I figured that would improve my balance. And that was sort of my ticket into this vaudeville world when I learned juggling and unicycling and all those skills. I mean, Can't Buy Me Love is the first I see you on screen. Well, that was my first hit movie. Hit yeah. movie. So yeah. anything that came before, we don't even talk about. Well, I, was, I started off, my break was Harvey Firestein hired me for a Torch Song Trilogy. On stage. Yeah. On stage. Mm-hmm. And I took over for Johnny Cryer, who mm-hmm. was doing it. And then I did um, the road company of that. And, of course, that whole generation, uh, Fisher Stevens, Matthew, uh, and Johnny and myself, we all came out of, you know, then we went on to Brighton Beach Memoirs and did those shows, you know. So that was a, an era in theater where a lot of young actors got their starts. And you had the itch to do, go back to do that? You know, I was, it was funny because uh, I talked to Kevin Spacey. He's like, you want to come back to theater soon? And I'm like, I'm not so sure. This was a couple months ago. Mm-hmm. And I just got back from London, and I had some time to kill. And we were around, right around the corner from uh, Matilda was playing. And mm-hmm. I took my two boys to the theater. And that was the first time where I was like, oh, you know what? I, I have a little bit of a bug now to get back on stage, certainly. Mm-hmm. Certainly in London. I think. Yeah. I have a lot of work to do uh, working on my voice and, and stuff, but it would be a good challenge. Nothing you could have done while you were doing a series, that's for sure. No, because you don't, you know, it's, it's 10 months out of the year when you're doing a, a network show. It's 24 to 25 episodes. It, mm-hmm. It's long hours. It's an ensemble, thank God, so you, you have some time off. But the last thing you want to do is go back and you need a break and recharge and, and recover. And for me, the racing was something that allowed me to do that. And there was no time to slam in a movie because you didn't have the time to do the process correctly. You know, you didn't really have the time to go in and and enjoy it as deeply as one would like. You've spoken before about, you know, being diagnosed as dyslexic when you were how old? Uh, It was quite late. It wasn't until junior high school, which was well past the point. The damage had been done at that point. Yeah, because my wife's a teacher and she teaches kids who have that. Yes. Or have some learning disability. And if you catch it really early you can do stuff but is it still affecting you oh yeah i mean for me table reads are um are really painful because um first of all i have to really manage my emotions and slow down and focus and just kind of read it in a way without any inflection or anything just to kind of get through it so to read anything it takes me two or three times to get through an auditioning process i mean there was a 10-year period where auditioning was horrible because I'd have to memorize these scenes. And I then you might not get the part. And then 10 years of not getting it. You <laughs> yes, know. Not, it was just pretty. terribly debilitating. So I think that, yeah, I think that, that's something that's a, a, certainly a challenge that I need to overcome and work on. But I like the scenes. The lines are one thing, but it's what's going on underneath it's much more important to me. That, you know, so I what's always unsaid? fight with the writers. They're like, can we just say this in less? Why are we saying it? What's underneath? If I, yeah. if I say everything, there's nothing to play. There's nothing to feel because it's all been stated. There's no room for it to breathe. But it's, is it gotten better over the years for you with this? Is it I've still learned how to, difficult? I've learned how to work with it. You know, there's yeah. still at times. And technology today makes it really easy. And it's the irony is you're texting everybody. So, you know, I'm working on my... <laughs> on all of that. That's so right. I lean on the technology, thank God. It'll it allows be a, me to be a little bit more. In another year, I'll just be sitting here with you and we'll be texting each other. We'll be in our <laughs> house and sitting our holograms that's it. to everybody. There'll, there'll be a popcorn here and there'll be nothing else exactly. while that's happening. Well, you're seeing that in film. Look at the technology. Look what, you know, what they you can do. do. I mean, you can feel the difference, but 
it's there. I mean, you did one of those. You did a big Michael Bay transformer. Yeah, I loved working with yeah. Michael Bay and yeah. doing that movie. Yeah, it was a great opportunity to play a character that was a little—he was the bad guy in the movie. So mm -hmm. it was nice to be able to do that. Yeah, you don't play a lot of bad. Well, guys. no, I mean, my career's been based on a specific ar archetype, which is sort of usually the prince base or the romantic lead, and you know that's one side of my nature. But you know, there's a lot more for me to explore, and hopefully. You need the right material and the right director to give you that opportunity, or you need to generate that. You need to create that content yourself. So that's what you're doing now? That's exactly what I'm doing right now. The last year uh, between the racing and, and, and my departure from the show has been putting about uh, 12 to 15 projects in development in various forms at this moment. Is that satisfying to you? It's very satisfying. Yeah. Yes. Because you know what you want to do or what you're capable of better yeah, than anybody else. Yeah, certain sensibility that I. That. Yes, and I haven't yeah. I haven't really achieved what I want to achieve as an actor yet. Which but that's is a, a good thing. It's a great thing. Yes, there's you know, more there. Because uh, while I'm looking at you, and it's kind of irritating that you get better looking as you get older. You know? <laughs> oh, that's yeah, very it's kind like of you, you go like, how is that happening? But it is happening. Right. And I so think the racing and the discipline of that has helped me tremendously on so many levels, how, mentally and physically. How does, how does the and the process of it, too. I mean, working with Porsche in a brand like that, it, you, you focus on the team and the objective, and then what do we need to do to achieve our goals? And, and there is no ego in it. It's, it's a collective. It's, it's really focusing on what is the best outcome for the team. Even on a bad day, we all lose together or we all win together. And I think that mentality and that experience and that belief that they have given me in putting me in the World Endurance Championship in a, a Porsche RSR, it's, it's the very highest level of road racing in the world. Um, and that support in the films that we do too on the side are really a tremendously creative, has, has been transformative for me on, on so many levels. So now I need to make that experience and that feeling and take that into um, my career, I guess, as, a, as an actor and producer. Those of us that don't race, right. that look at it or imagine what it is, right. it seems pure adrenaline and exhilaration. But I'm assuming what goes on in there is also about control. It's a control of your emotions. You need to be at a certain point emotionally to be up on the wheel, to be aggressive, to be emotionally charged. But you cannot lose control of your emotions because then the, the, the repercussions can be catastrophic. But in terms of your career, what happens, you do these movies, they're basically comedies. Right. Well, it depends if they do well, then, then it gives you the options to do the films that you normally wouldn't get a chance because you are then considered bankable in a sense. So you can play that card on something that will allow you to stretch a bit, hopefully, in theory. What did you think you stretched the most on during that period where you were beginning? What did you learn from? Oh, yeah, I think you learn from every one of them. Mm -hmm. I think for me, the show is great in the, in the discipline of the day in and day out of just really showing up and being present and, and making whatever they give you honest and work. Um, you know, that, I think that's good. But I, I don't think I've had that challenge yet. Not to the level that I've had in the racing world. I haven't had that in my career. But when you do a TV series like Grey's Anatomy. Right. It's, it's amazingly not, well, it's, it's, powerful experience. It's powerful in terms of how people will see you yes. and what your image is. Yes. And you've done it for what, 10 or 11 seasons? It was like 11 or 12 seasons, yes. And yeah. it continues to do. It's thriving, so it's going to continue on. Do you watch it now? 
I, I, you know, to be honest with you, I don't enjoy watching myself. I enjoy the process, but I don't. I'll watch no, it. No, I meant with you not on it. I don't. No, I didn't really watch it when I was on it either. Oh, either. You know, at that point. I mean, the first couple of seasons, the first year I did, but then after that I stopped. So we all know much more about what was going on. Well, I did it, so <laughs> yeah, I know what was it. going on. So, but, yeah, but, I mean, I respect the fact that, you know, it's, it's beloved by so many people. And it's constantly, now, because of the technology, it's being rediscovered. Mm-hmm. Um, like all of us, will watch a show and we can binge watch and we can watch the entire five or six seasons all all at once, you know. So when it becomes more than a performance, when you become Dr. McDreamy, it sticks. Yeah. And so I'm sure people say it to you to this day. Oh, constantly, yeah. And that yeah. won't go away. That's, mm-hmm. th- that's just a fact. Well, it's that flattering. Will, it's better than being ignored or forgotten. <laughs> yes, absolutely. I'm grateful yeah. for that. And it's been an incredible platform for me. And the show's been successful around the world. And, you, and, and, and to, to Shonda's credit, she's created some great shows with some really iconic characters that are diverse and uh, powerful, strong women. And, mm-hmm. and, and that's great. You know, and I, that's the power of Shonda's world. You're on the cover of People magazine right now with a quote that says, I had to change my life. Yes. What was that basic thing? It's never one thing, is I it? I think it was just, it was time. It was like that, that period had come and it was time to move on. And there's the seduction of keeping the money and the paycheck and the consistency of having a job. And sometimes creatively you need to move on and emotionally you need to move on. And, and uh, it, you know, uh, that's what happened. I was it trying to do too your many. your marriage? Yeah, affected- you're never home and then I was racing on top of that so I was even mm-hmm. gone and then uh, and you're, you're creating you're, you want more creatively you want to you challenge yourself more you want to stretch more and it's not there and these things become frustrating and you want to you know it's time to make a transition so you feel better about yourself in life at this point well I have time to feel yes you have time to feel <laughs> you know, right I have time to feel and think and, and to sort of uh, uh, be much more thoughtful in the choices I make before you're on such a treadmill that you're just trying to keep up it's like running a marathon you're just trying to get to the finish line and that's not to be disrespectful for the opportunity or to, to negate the value of that. Oh, no, you don't sound like that. you are. Yeah. Um, but it's just, it, you know, people don't quite sometimes understand that and that, you know, you need to change and move on. So when, how are you critical of yourself? Are you tough on yourself when you see yourself, when you look at Bridget Jones's baby? Is there a 30 seconds or a minute of you looking, that you can look at you and say, I got really close to what I wanted to achieve in that moment? Yeah, there are moments where when we're all three together and we're, you know, the, the bridge scene and in the, in the physical comedy and, mm-hmm. and the, the timing of that, those scenes are satisfying to me. Because there was very little on the page and that was something that we discovered as we were going. And there was improv, there was, there was the ability to go off book and, and play. And they were there to throw you into another direction. And to feel there was some safety net there. Complete safety yeah, net with them, without cool. question. Well, this is your first time on the show, Patrick. So oh, it's a pleasure. It ends what is it always like for in song. You to be, oh, what is I mean, it like for me? I like it. You're turning the table. I'm going to interview yes, you Yes, it's now. good. Yeah, but it as a critic, though, it's a tremendous responsibility. And to be able to do it well is, uh, is, is a testament why you're, you've been around so long and why you're so well-respected, is that you do approach it in a way where, you know... Uh, it's informative and constructive. Well, you, you find want, that to be true. You want to do in, that, in, but I think just what you said about racing that was surprising, it's also an emotional response first. Right. You have, if you fan, don't have the emotional response, then you can't turn it into something else. Right. So if you don't react to it, and there's a lot of formula in movies. Right. There's a lot of, I'm going to do the same thing because it was successful the last time. Of course. So we're going to do it again. And right. that doesn't cause you to have that exuberance that you feel right. when you're behind a wheel or you're in front of a camera 
doing it the way you wanted to do it. Right. So that's... that's well, that can be applied to you as an actor when you know you're taking the gig for the money because you have to pay the bills and you're a working actor. It's the truth. And, and you know, you, you can give your notes, but it falls on deaf ears. And then ultimately, at the end of the day, a gentleman like yourself will call them out on it, but it's then too late. You will. You can't go back and revisit it. But I was setting you up for the end because the people that have been on this show always know that we end in song. What? Not in juggling. Song. Just a little bit of song. Oh, dear Lord. Yes, I, well, you dance, you juggle, you must have. I have no singing ability whatsoever. Well, that makes it even better. Lead me into something and I'll follow. Lead you into something. Uh, can't Buy Me Love. There's that movie <laughs> that started you off. The Beatles. Come on. Duh. I can't honestly, buy me. You can do it. You can do two lines. I want to hear I, it. I, I, I know you do. Look at your jelly I, now. I can't even. You are this man in you control have just of your reduced life. me to a puddle of uh, profound insecurity. <laughs> no, even in what was that movie you did um, with Brad Pitt? That uh, Happy Together. Yeah. Right. That both Pop of you were songs, in it. Uh, yes. And he had a yeah. It was before he became Brad he Pitt. Became. Yes. But still, there was that. Um, I don't know. I have not. Da 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 da. No. No. So I can't sing either, and I'm willing to do it with you. Yeah, if I could have a song to enter in with, I would. Um. <laughs> there. Two, two <laughs> movies I gave you that you're in. And no. no. Do you want this audience to say goodbye to you thinking there was something you couldn't do? That, that's fine, because I'm not perfect. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I can't. I'm giving up, but I don't want to. I'm not going to make it torture for you, but the next time you're on the show... I promise you the next time I will come prepared and I will sing for you. All right. It's a deal. Thank it's you, Peter. A deal. It's a pleasure. Thank Thanks you. for having me on. Okay, that wraps up another edition of the Popcorn with Peter Travers podcast. If you liked it, be sure to subscribe and rate us. You can also find Popcorn on Twitter and Facebook at Popcorn ABC News. I also want to thank the people who helped produce this podcast. Angela Williams, Brian Fudge, Josh Cohen, David Fazekas, David Miller, Michael Rothman, Alexa Valiente, and the head of ABC News Digital, Dan Silver. I'll talk to you next Friday.